to Into the Mirror, your top podcast for healings, transformations, and brave, bold, and sometimes terrifying awakenings. My name is Alexander, and I'll be, yeah, sharing something about courage to be kind is something I talk about a lot, but really to a deeper level, I want to talk about courage, fear, and the courage to be compassionate on yourself and especially those around you. Um, I have had one hell of a year already, and I mean a, I mean that in a great way, and I also mean that in sometimes a pretty overwhelming way. I, you know, my process through my life in, um, you know, started with a lot of grief, uh, loss at an early age, and no actual coping skills to deal with those things created a lot more need to have more coping skills to deal with more problems because if you know anything about trauma, trauma creates more trauma, um, you know, so identifying these things that rule us and keep us stuck is a very, very important part of this life. And I learned that we're so much more than just this human shell. I mean, we have this body, yes, but there's something far, far deeper and more pure and awesome to us. And there doesn't have to be any uh, like you know, external priest or person or anything outside yourself to, to access this love, to access this value. But the thing that you will always have to do on the path to awakening is face your fears. And that's why I like Star Wars a lot. And I like the story of the Jedi. And, you know, they say that the, the, the destiny of all Jedi is to face their fears. And, you know, I know we're not out with lightsabers and stuff like that. But truthfully, this planet for it to really heal, um, for it to really get better, is we all are going to have to face some fear inside ourselves and then help others face that fear as well. And, you know, it's not a really, you know, it's a used metaphor, but the, you know, on an airplane, you have to put your oxygen on first before you can help others get the oxygen. And same thing with the whole breath, the holy breath, as they say, you have to get your breath before you can help others get the breath. And, I have to say that I'm so grateful to have learned the depths of what's available to our body through meditation and exercise and really just God, the universe. You know, if the word God offends you, then universe. And I like saying that just a little feisty and facetious because if you're stuck on words like that. You're stuck on judgment. And that's exactly where you need to begin your awakening to get anywhere. Um, there's lots of people out there that are all about love and, you know, this real, like, I talk a big game of love and that, and they may mean it, but, you know, it never really gets tested because they didn't have such dark nights of the soul. So they really don't know that there's deeper and deeper levels to healing. And, you know, I myself had to spend a long, long time in the repeat rinse cycle of hell, you know, like just never ever i don't if anyone out there surfs or does water sports like when you get pulled by the wave there's a phase where if you're falling you just surrender and let the thing smash you rather than fight it the fighting itself creates you get looped back in and it's just like you can never catch your breath and that's how life felt for me um i can say that the things that really changed for me the things that changed when i finally got you know totally sober off those opioids and the you know, the drugs that really ruled me, they were my only coping skill. And for a while, you know, that's how I survived was 
you know, getting drugs, getting high, escaping my reality for like a two hours of the day. But then the whole rest of the time is some purpose into the fact that there is a solution you feel like. So that's the thing about addiction is the purpose of achieving the success of getting the drugs, the substance, the resistance to that actually makes the whole experience more purposeful. And that sounds weird, but it's it's true. You know, it's just like anything with scarcity. When you learn to get it, you're grateful for the small amounts you get. And it's it's true. I learned a lot of things about gratitude and staying in the now while on drugs. And I used to shame myself for that. I didn't see the value that since I wasn't living a perfect life and my childhood value system, I mean, Mormons have a very, very rigid, like I understand having high ideals and stuff, but perfectionism, if you will, you know? So it's always what I learned in my experience in Mormonism was that competing, it was just, it was just another high school community, if you will. It's another social group. And the limitations of believing that anyone outside yourself or anything outside yourself, whether it's a religion or a substance. And, you know, I do not dog on anyone's choice of religion. I just know that spirituality and God, I know I'm a child of God, no matter what doesn't matter. So, and I love that my value doesn't change no matter what. Now, how I experience my value or worthiness does change based on the choices I make. And I know that because of that perfectionism in my, uh, I, I failed a lot more than I needed to. And even using the word failed, I wasn't failing. I mean, I went through opioid withdrawal, horrendous detox from, you know, drugs like heroin and fentanyl and other, other things like that, that, I mean, I would be lucky to make it three weeks without the substance. I was so good at fighting through the first week of detox. I had it very, like I had an ability to face things. And that's what I want to get to courage and fear and stuff. And for me, you know, I think about the system, the addictive system, and I mean, the rehab system, the medical system, the political system, these systems, these structures in our society that seem like positive at first, but when you get into their depths and what they're seeds of, and like, I like the tree behind me, like, the seeds of a lot of the political ideas or rehab ideas really are sick. And a lot of times you don't see the sickness of the tree until it you know, sprouts. And I think that's what a lot of Jesus's stuff or the other master teachers of that era, the, you know, I, that they're talking about that, that you, we don't, by your fruits, you'll know them. And that's what I've known about truth in the heart is my inner belief, my inner world always manifests out into this world as results. And the sooner I could start seeing that, you know, it, it, cha- it changed. I learned I had a real power, but the way we are programmed to believe that we're unworthy, that the love that's inside of us right now, the love inside of you that you're restricting from yourself feeling because of whether it's fear or pride or whatever, we stop the grace, the whole spirit, and I don't mean just the whole spirit of the universe from giving us the love that we have, you know, that's in us right now. We're the ones that stop that. And fear is the great restrictor. So fear now, I've been meditating on this for a while to think if I think fear is a creation of just the human experience or 
it's in all like consciousness, but it's it's not as it's not bad. The judgment of it being bad is what gets bad. And that's where we have to like clear it away. Fear is a way to control energy. Our body's trying to bring things back into homeostasis. So when I get really nervous or energetic, the energy of my body's rising and the other part of me turns on to try to keep it, you know, from going down. And believe me, all my court dates, I learned so much about anticipation and fear. I mean, I would get just through the opioid detox and then be put right into a court legal battle that I created. Not just me, but the system is broken. There's no question. And it's disgusting how we treat people. And they propagandize us by showing court cases of really cruel crimes. And so that way, when you think of crime, you don't think of like the 95% of what crime is. It's hurt people, hurting people. You think of these narcissistic borderline personality sociopaths and stuff that are out there and it really because of that judgment your judgment and your inability to actually go inward and check these ideas we all stay stuck so fear is something that man this past year i've gotten way better at fear in lots of areas but now it's annoying because I'll, I have really good inner peace by myself. I mean, I feel bliss and joy. I mean, when I'm alone all the time, and maybe that's because I had to spend a lot of time alone. I know that when I got into trouble through the system, through rehabs, if I wanted to be better, I had to separate from the group completely. I've never been someone to want to be a follower. I mean, I tried to many times, but it always led to awful results because I wasn't being true to my heart. I, um, the heart, ha we have to be true to our heart and we have to figure out what our truth is. And that takes, sometimes people figure that out early on. And I would say that I always knew the truth of my heart as a kid. It only took me growing up and harnessing my ability is to say no to the things I felt weren't good, whether, you know, my peer group, you know, Mormonism, they used to, when I was in it, Mormon missions were so important. And I knew for my longest time I was not going but I was ashamed to tell my family that I, um, you know, and that actually led me to further um, opioid use because I had no other coping skills except for painkillers at that time. So I took more painkillers and when I was high, which really was controlling a lot of my fear or I thought, you know, temporarily it was, it was a nice chemical shield and I, got high and that way I didn't have to tell the truth about, you know, my, I mean, I did tell the truth, but it just didn't, it didn't matter. But at that point I had more secrets and that's the thing about opioids. And before I started doing heroin, I was prescribed medications and it came really insidiously the same, you know, cause I thought, I mean, my heart always knew what I was doing wasn't okay. Overtaking the pills, like the second dose I ever took of Vicodin, I doubled my dose and and that was a real lesson to what kind of personality I am. I go to the extremes and I chisel out my version of reality that way. But it took a lot of life-saving interventions to keep me here on earth. I mean, I crossed that death curtain so many times. It, it actually became part of how my awakening became so easy, actually. But that's, that's not the point. And, um, you know, that just shows that the dark nights of the soul, these things that we think are awful... And yeah, I still think the negative things that I had to experience felt awful, but the things, the value I found from it, the experience, the love I found is priceless.
you know, and I would never trade that. I would just like to take back the harm I inflicted on others, you know, but, you know, through courage and kindness, that is where all the power in my story changed. I was always a service-based person. I love people. I feel love and joy, and I'm an empath. I can feel what others are feeling. I usually can feel what they're feeling. I actually know I can feel what they're feeling, even when they fail to accept what they're feeling. And that was always hard about group therapies and rehabs. I was didn't know it, but I wasn't just, I was always... I always rationalized my ability to read people because I was that, you know, people like you're just smart. You watch body language. It's if, if they're an externally observed person, they always look for this physical thing that we see and stuff. And that was always going to be part of it because the physical always in its own way reflects the inner energy world and learning what the heart can detect. You know, you're like a little Wi-Fi computer with, our phone is a better one because we have a lot of different types of radio receivers on us. So we're feeling vibration and patterns all the time, things that our eyes cannot see, but we feel on different sensors in our body. And learning that I, you know, wasn't crazy. That helped me so much when I got away from groups, you know, I could really heal. And you could see why jails, prisons, hospitals, rehabs can be very dangerous for empaths because you end up absorbing so many things that really are just not yours. You were just echoing something you're feeling. It's it's weird, but so rehabs, really the group mentality, if they're a good rehab, really matters, right? The, the, and I, I can say I'm, I'm proud that I was, I was still at my best a courageous, you know, to tell the truth, to stand up for true justice on, only my shame kept me from standing up more than I did. I, you know, when you have bullshit or secrets, you you say truth about things, but that inner parasite shows up and tells you, you can't stand up for truth or honesty or love here because you're not perfectly honest or true in all your life. And that is not true. That is one of, that's the deceptions of the ego. That's pride. That's fear. So what I mean by that is in the world right now, we can stand up for kindness. We can be compassionate. And that really begins by giving yourself space to experience what you need to experience. But a lot of people can't do that at first. They're so projected outward on other that that's why learning to meditate, right? To go inward and to transmit as much love as I can. I love the communities I'm in. I love people. So you know, I like to be friends where I go and make friends everywhere. But my own fear, really, I can tell you through my awakening, since I wasn't using those same suppressant substances that would keep all the fear and all these bodily systems limited, really, I used to think I was, oh, managing anxiety or managing this. All I was doing was being afraid to face my feelings. And I had so many people co-signing my bullshit, doctors, psychiatrists, judges, lawyers, my family, everyone wants you to be better in whatever they think is better or how it works because they don't understand all these things and how should, how could they? You know, they think these things are positive and don't get me wrong, medications and things are very like helpful for bridges, you know, but they become very, very limiting when you get stuck to them. What I mean is if I think that my awakening is dependent on marijuana, and that's part of your awakening. What happens when marijuana is gone? Is the awakening still there? And that's why addiction for me was so powerful to show me 
my dependencies. And I mean, deep dependency is much more embedded with like a lot of things. So what I mean is like, I guess what I mean is that we um, are kind of lost my train of thought there actually. So maybe it wasn't that good of a point. Um, addictions and medications. Yeah. They, they keep you healthy. And like for me through detoxes and stuff, they're so great, but I would always realize I would like, so when I would go to detox, they'd put you on like a detox med if you were lucky and you would get that for a few days. And the way the mind would obsess, at least mine for a while about, oh my gosh, that lorazepam or that azan aloprazolam or whatever benzodiazepine. I only get that for five more days. What am I going to do? I feel fine now. And you know, or I'm on Suboxone. What happens when this is cut or this is cut? And all that shit is part of the whole deceptive lie of why addiction stays and hijacks you. Because those ideas you believe in, remember, you can't just think your way out of an idea. An idea, a concept, a belief is embedded with your emotions, with your actions, with your thoughts, with your words. All of that's programming what you believe. Your words do, but your body language also programs things. So like, I can't be like, I'm a healthy, sober son of God, and then say that and be taking a drug that I don't consider being sober right after. Do you see what I mean? Like I say it, I word it but my body is still doing the bullshit. So you have to work to detangle ideas and to start checking ideas at the door. That's like for eating disorders, learning to say positive things to yourself as you eat, learning, and this is addiction taught me this, learning to stop talking about how much pain I'm in, how much deception, like it's deception. Yeah, it's in pain, but thinking about it, you're only imbuing it with power. And it takes practice because you'll learn that pain is a messaging system from your body. But if you let it through your body, like it's like it needs to get up into your brain and we're stopping it. And by stopping it, we're storing it. And it's just vibrating at a level of pain for a lot longer than you need to. So when you learn to release stuff and you learn to surrender, what that means, how you surrender on the inside, how I let these old ideas through me the the fear of the pain like if i need to cry i cry if i need to scream i scream not at people but you know i go find space where i can just yell that frustration out because if i don't i end up using that energy to say things that i usually don't feel like usually don't really truly think like i'll say something mean or angry at someone because i didn't get my anger out in a healthy way and i can say that fear, you know, man, it, the insecurity. So like one thing is, is like insecurity or fear and the need to fit in with groups is one of the most limiting fears. It's small and you don't notice it, but I can tell you, notice your body. How are you holding your stomach when you're in groups? Are you in, are you holding it out? Is it pushed out because you're overweight and it can't, you know, you can't even suck it in or are you trying to suck it in too hard? Like Notice the tension you're carrying. Notice the tension changes as you're around different people. You will see that fear keeps us from breathing deep. You know, fear, you know, when I, your fear will dry your mouth out. So me talking about this 
anxiety talk gives me anxiety for a period of time. I think of all these moments and my fear of my podcast not being good enough. And, you know, I do it just to help people with their own journey and share my own truth. It allows me to be honest and authentic in every way without having to like run down people from my past and be like, hey, I'm sorry for this. It's actually a clearing that I've learned that technology and stuff that allows us to heal much quicker if we use it rather than use it to escape. So back to like courage and fear. So in my tenure getting in trouble, <laughs> I would always end up around a lot of angry, violent, pissed off, usually men because it would be some locked up place or it'd be a rehab with hurt and anger, all the same feelings. And I had to learn like in those places, people are in so much pain that people do need love and truth. And when I had the courage to start being myself, like when I started doing breath work around people in jail, um, I was nervous to do like <sighs> breathing and what sounds like panting or stuff by these guys. I mean, like it's it's different and it's scary to be authentic sometimes. And I remember at first I would do it, I would practice, you know, like you test the waters, whatever it takes to get to your truth, do it as long as it's not harming other people. And that includes yourself. Baptizing yourself by fire when you don't have to is just stupid. I mean, honestly, like I say that and I was baptized by fire um, many times. It's, I mean, it doesn't have to happen that way. You don't have to be like clear to, I, I, I don't know, I just... I guess because of my story, I like to think that there's easier ways to your true self, you know, um, but courage, courage to be kooky, courage to be authentic, courage to say the nice thing when everyone is saying mean things like this is something about groups and dynamics. And I I mean, my whole life, I would, I stand up for this stuff and I'm proud of that. If you ask yourself, where are you proud of your courage? You know, where are you not so proud of it? And why, you know, like, where can you start making big gains in little areas? I'll tell you what, I get nervous. I go to different places I eat. And if I have friends there, and if, especially if they're like cute women that are my friends, even if I don't, I'm not even going to date them or anything. My anxiety level rises. And all of a sudden, with that anxiety, without, if I don't take a moment and breathe, I'll be like talking to people, say stupid stuff, forget what I'm saying completely. And that's what I don't like the most is when I'm in fear, I forget my line of thought. And that's part of something to meditate on. And I say that to others because you can see how fear hijacks your mind, how thought, how you literally fear instantly turns off my brain's possibility. It's short in it, shortens it and goes to what I know. And that's what my body knows. And if I've been living in shit for a long time, that's shit. So that's why fear, we have to take time to contemplate situations, time to meditate, time to release things, time to be alone, learning how to go into the stillness. Man, I am so grateful for those times locked up in jail cells when I would lay there on that cot, hard as a rock, but learn to meditate for hours. I, I took time to go inward, and it was hard when my trauma first was healing, I would get these awful, just hot flashes of pain and fear. And 
my whole body would hot. I'd start sweating. I'd be laying there, and then I would, I would see the, the the place I was in, and it was just it was it was challenging. It's not like facing these things feel great, especially if you've been running for a long time. But I can tell you that grace or whatever you want to call it, this divine empathy consciousness, this Christ Buddha consciousness, this true self that we're all a part of, we're all truly children of God. And I know religions and things and just pain and lies have really messed it up. It's made it really hard to know who to trust. And I can tell you that that is part of the brainwashed fear brain out there. There's there are wise teachers. There are people that won't betray you. There are people that know truth. But I promise you, you have to go in your heart and start. Even if you don't believe it, I promise you, it does change. Like ideas you have in your thought brain. If you think them long enough and you don't hold tension in your body, you'll see that the thoughts start to saturate your body. So the more mantra and then your body starts absorbing it. And then that idea becomes a feeling with an idea, and then you have a belief. And then you can start acting on that belief. And I mean, that is, manifestation is all about feeling. I mean, I manifested so many miracles, like way more extreme is my ability to manifest good now than all of those awful negative experiences where I spent like, if you think about it, like how many times did the worst possible thing really happen to you? And it's really... It's a super small percent. And I guarantee that for me, like it wasn't what I thought. The worst things that have happened to me are not the things that I used to think they were. And they're this, this planet, we need more courageous, kind people. So whether it's a coworkers or whether it's, you know, family or church people, it doesn't matter your heart knows when it hears truth, it vibrates. There's an inner bell that rings. And sometimes that bell vibrates through. You'll notice it'll even bring tears. You'll feel like energy. It's energy, you know, and the more kind we are to ourselves. So spend time meditating. I know I use people learning, use, you know, learning how to truly use unconditional love to unlock your heart is one of the best things you can do. All you have to do is meditate there. Close your eyes. Breathe in. Think of something you love unconditionally. It can be anything, anything that gets you into the love of self-fulfillment. So if it's an outer person, you need to have really unconditional love for them, else you're going to go into the fear. Right after you feel the, the infatuation love, it'll rebound with negative love because you're not in the wholeness. So that's why you have to bring the energy inward. Anytime you start looking outward, anytime you start listening outward, anytime you're pulling your consciousness outward to somewhere outside yourself. So grounding yourself. So I, I mean, when I was in trouble, I would meditate on my dog, Wiley. I didn't have Maya yet that I would think of as big ears, <laughs> big ears and just the happiness that that dog had. And I was in some really unhappy places, you know, physically and symbolically. And it would, I would have to go like cover my eyes or go, hide in a shower and like let tears out. But that bit by bit released these things that I was so afraid to feel, but it took feeling love. So finding where you have love, grounding yourself in it and the courage to stand up for kindness. I know one of the last parts I'm going to talk about is when I was in trouble, 
with other people that had made choices and some choices these people made was really hard not to judge. I mean, the worst things you can think of. And I'm grateful for the open heart I had because it allowed me and it was hard to navigate these waters, how to be kind to people, to compassionate to people that are made choices like that, but doesn't mean you condone those. One of the worst things in the system is, you know, like people that have done crimes that others think are the worst of the worst and they are, but these people become scapegoats for all these other people that are just not looking at their own shit. It's always like, look over there, that much worse guy's over there. He's a piece of crap. I didn't fail like that. I didn't. And that is whether or not those things are true about the action the person took. It's you that's putting that judgment out there. And I know that I'm proud of where I started being courageous to not condemn people, to forgive, like, to offer them in my mind, because I'm not even a part of their world, but I'm in their world for a brief second. And I can offer them the empathy and compassion and forgiveness that no one else could. And for some reason, guys, when you can do that, when you can be like a holy witness and forgive and that forgiveness, that energy gets propelled to you as well. And it just, it comes in different ways. But so learning to be courageous takes practice every day, showing up in situations where you want to run away from, show up to them, learn to understand when is it fear ruling your decisions and when is it love or faith? Really, there's only one emotion on earth and it's love, but it's split into polarity when while we're in duality and that turns into fear and with all that then you get all these other harmonics of love and that's the different emotions so learning how to manage that like so i do a lot of breath work but it's really about the breath behind the breath that's the holy breath there's a prana some people call but i have when i breathe in i feel an energy rise in me that precedes my actual lungs there's a and it and it's charges me with love and energy. And only in the stillness did I notice that this was there. So I know it's there for everyone. It's been talked about for thousands of years and far earlier than Christianity. It's not a holy breath. And if you study the East, the, it's not just some prana in something that isn't conscious. The breath within the breath is the divine and sounds crazy and kooky, but I guarantee you, that it's real from, I mean, it is, uh, there's no, there's really no separation from what we believe God is. It's only separated when we, when we choose that judgment, that idea. And so I'm going to send love to everyone out there that supports me and supports me when I'm courageous and helps me become more of my true self because it takes practice. You're not going to get it in one day. And like, if I start believing in that, my old inner child belief, and I mean like the self-righteous inner child, the self-righteous eight-year-old Mormon kid that thought, you know, he was just baptized and could do everything perfect. That great idea inward, but you know, that's kind of like trying to say you can never bad, you know, stomping bad out. The Nazis thought they were doing that at first too. So let's be legitimate about this. We have to learn to be open, to be loving, to be forgiving, and to trust the process, right? Trust that inner heart speak. It talks. You are part of something far greater than you probably know. And that's why I call this podcast Into the Mirror, because everyone is a reflection of me and vice versa. And 
learning to see how people are reflecting me and stuff. And that's truly about awakening to what we are. So good luck to you. And thank you for listening. And I, you know, hopefully because the fear in me has been diminishing a lot the past few weeks, I'll be able to do more podcasts again. I had to go through like a winter period, if you will, of I had to spend some time alone to figure some stuff out. So anyway, thank you for listening.